Listener Production. In this episode of The Briefing, a worrying prediction that within a decade, more than half the world's population will either be overweight or obese. So, why is this happening and which parts of the world have the biggest problem? Especially in developing and developed countries where food is on every corner of every block. It looks good, it tastes delicious, and every time we see it, it releases all those feel-good chemicals in the brain telling us to go back for more. Yeah, we're talking about the global obesity crisis, how we can solve it and where the problem is at its worst. That is our briefing in the second half of this episode. First, let's get to the big stories of the day. I'm Tom Tilley, joined by Antoinette Latouf. It is Tuesday, the 11th of April. The Dalai Lama has apologised after a video went viral over the weekend of him asking a boy if he wanted to suck his tongue. In a video that took place in the Dalai Lama's temple in late February, a boy is seen asking if he can hug the Dalai Lama. The leader indicates the boy should kiss him on the cheek before getting a hug. Then while holding the boy's hand, the Dalai Lama motions to his lips and says, I think here also, and kisses the boy on the lips. The leader then puts his forehead to the boy's before sticking out his tongue, um, and this is where it gets even stranger, saying, and suck my tongue. Yeah, this was an extremely bizarre and uncomfortable situation. You had some of the dignitaries in behind the Dalai Lama laughing and clapping, at no point stepping in um, to stop what was happening. And I also found it interesting that in his apology, he said he often teases people he meets in an innocent and playful way, even in public and before cameras. He regrets the incident, no mention of, oh, this is a cultural thing or anything like that. Yeah, I did expect some kind of cultural line because in Tibet, sticking out your tongue has been, um, it's been a greeting since the ninth century and it's seen as a, as a form of respect. I'm, I'm not convinced by that apology though, Tom. Uh, he's saying it's, you know, playful and innocent. Uh, I don't think it's playful and innocent. I think it's inappropriate and disturbing to ask a little boy to suck your mm-hmm. tongue. Um, but this is not the first time the Dalai Lama has come out and had to apologize or the officers had to apologize. The spiritual leader, um, in an interview just a couple of years ago, said that any future female Dalai Lama should be attractive. And an investigation is underway in the US after a number of classified documents from the Pentagon have been leaked on the internet. So the documents include sensitive information about Russia, South Korea and Israel, and even information about weaknesses in Ukraine's military. The Australian government has issued a statement saying it's concerned by the leak and it's pleased that the US Department of Justice has acted quickly uh, in announcing an investigation. Yeah, Tom, and one really interesting revelation from these documents is just how much information the US intelligence has about Russia's military plans as well. Um, they've had knowledge of daily real-time warnings of Russian missile strikes and even specific targets. Uh, there are now fears the Russians will be able to close off these leaks. Ukraine itself has already had to alter some of its military plans because of the leak. And I think that while spying is an inevitable part of how the US intelligence community collects info, it's probably going to be a bit harmful to the US reputation to see all of that info exposed publicly, including that it was spying on the Ukrainian President Zelensky, an ally and and somebody the US obviously um, publicly supports very much. Yeah, I'm going to be really interested to see who leaked this and and what their motivation was. (laughs) 
China has declared it has successfully completed three days of war games around Taiwan. Beijing stimulated target strikes and practised a blockade of the self-ruled island. And China said it was in response to Taiwan's president visiting the US. And Tom, at the same time, the US sailed one of its Navy destroyers near an island China claims in the South China Sea. Yeah, there's a lot going on in this part of the world. So pretty frightening to um, watch China um, practice essentially a blockade of Taiwan. The other thing going on in this whole space are comments from the French president, Emmanuel Macron, that have sparked a lot of outrage. He was in China over the last few days and he gave uh, an interview to Politico while he was flying around. And he basically said Europe needed to stay independent of the US and avoid getting involved in any conflicts between Washington and Beijing over Mm. Taiwan. So that's a, a very interesting statement from a very powerful European leader. I think Macron, you know, re-emphasised a theory that's become a bit of a pet theory of his, um, and that's strategic autonomy for Europe. Uh, we don't know who's going to lead that strategic autonomy, presumably led by France, uh, to become a, a bit of a third superpower. What's also pretty interesting is that the Chinese Communist Party have enthusiastically endorsed this this concept of strategic autonomy and that the Chinese officials themselves constantly refer to it in their dealings with other European countries. Mm. I think what Macron says, though, about Taiwan makes a lot of sense, to be honest, that getting involved in an all-out war with China over Taiwan would be Mm. a pretty frightening commitment for any other country to make. And he said that how could they do that in Europe when they haven't even been able to resolve Ukraine, which is right on their doorstep. Four people have been killed and nine injured in another mass shooting, this time in a US bank in Louisville, Kentucky. The lone gunman, who was an employee at the bank, is also dead. Officers were on the scene within three minutes of the first 911 call. Yeah, and that shooting is the 146th mass shooting in the US just this year. It's wild, Tom, that it's been 146, like there have been 146 of them. And I know here at the briefing, we've covered a few of them, usually when they are school shootings. But oh gosh, there's got to be at least 134 mass shootings that, that don't even make the headlines. Yeah, it's a shocking state of affairs there, as we all know. Um, all right, Antoinette, we'll catch you again soon. In just a moment, the global obesity problem, which is getting worse. All right, now to our briefing topic on our obese future. It's a grim picture, Katrina Blowers. By 2035, more than half the world's population overweight or obese, 51%. Yeah, so this is in a report by the World Obesity Federation. Of course, the problem is worse in countries like ours, so Australia, New Zealand, the US, the UK. But it's actually the developing countries in Asia and Africa who are catching up and age-wise... It's kids and teenagers where the growth rate is the fastest. So let's find out why this is happening and what we can do about it. Dr. Nick Fuller is a weight loss expert. Um, He's the best-selling author of a book called Interval Weight Loss. He's also the commercial and industry research leader at the University of Sydney's Charles Perkins Centre. Nick, thank you so much for joining us. What's the most troubling aspect of this obesity report and the trend line it reveals? I guess how how we're dealing with with the prevalence of obesity. 
in particular how we're reacting to that problem. A lot of the issues, you know, relate to the modern obesogenic environment. It's very hard to manage our weight, especially in developing and developed countries where food is on every corner of every block. It looks good, it tastes delicious, and every time we see it, it releases all those feel-good chemicals in the brain telling us to go back for more. What concerned me in picking apart this report was uh, countries that I guess are emerging from poverty for the first time. What, what's going on there? This obesogenic environment definitely plays a role and, and the availability of processed and packaged foods. Now, these foods are not required as part of a healthy diet. They're often what we refer to as discretionary foods, very high in added sugar, added fat, added salt. And sure, they make us feel good at the time of consumption, but very soon afterwards, we feel guilty for having them. But more importantly, they're not good for our health. And they're a large part of the reason for our uh, rising waistlines we see today. So this food part of the, I guess, environment is, is very complex. It's a large part of the puzzle and the reason why we are seeing the obesity prevalence go up across the globe. Yeah, not, as you mentioned, not just in developed countries, but also in developing countries. And then we, we get to this point where we're starting to see this waist line increase or weight increase of about 0.5 to 1 kilo every year. We look in the mirror and then what do we do? We react to that problem. Now, unfortunately, if we're female, we're reacting and we're getting on the front foot often and we're doing it in a proactive way. And what I mean by that is we're buying into diets, we're doing something about our weight issues repeatedly, but as our research has shown, that's actually doing more harm than good. Wow. It's driving up the obesity prevalence, it's driving up our set point, and over time you end up heavier than before you began. And then with men, I'm, I mean, it's a different story altogether because we tend to wait till a serious health problem happens, it might be a heart attack, we're lucky to survive that, and then we do something about our weight. Right. So you talked there about um, an increase in process and packaged food. Does that explain why developing countries are catching up to us developed countries and we're already in massive trouble? Um, we're already close to 50% here in Australia, overweight and obese, but Asian and African countries are seeing big increases in, in their rates. So they're on the way to where we are. Is that about wealth and the kinds of foods that are available? Yes. Uh, obviously, we have extreme differences between poverty and wealth in these countries. And yes, the availability of these foods and accessibility um, means they're easier to, to get our hands on them. What I find quite interesting, I think in developed countries, there seems to be sort of a paradox where the wealthier you are, the, the less likely perhaps you are to be obese because you've got access to things like, you know, gym memberships and personal trainers and juice cleansers and all of those things that cost money. And, and I know that in stories that I've done recently on the cost of living crisis and people that I've interviewed who are really struggling to make ends meet, they say processed foods are cheaper to buy than, than fresh foods. Is that a misconception or is that the reality? Look, this is another really good point you raise and, and it's another big challenge but research does show you can eat healthy at the same cost as processed and packaged foods or a mm -hmm. diet that's low in nutrition. But a lot of it comes down to the education that we're disseminating to the general public or the education that they're receiving. Now, 
it's very true that the the wealthy do have access to uh, you know that that sort of plethora of wholesome nutritious food and often you will see the obesity prevalence going up in the lower socioeconomic groups or, or the poor it really does depend on um, the country and, and many different factors but accessibility of food and the fact that these like low nutrition discretionary food items are very affordable makes them very appealing and particularly in the modern day environment where cost of living is going up and and the young in particular are the ones that are really feeling that effect so what do we do about it nick your big thing is um interval based weight loss that's obviously something you can apply at a at a personal level can it also arrest this overall macro trend Absolutely. I mean, my role at the University of Sydney and RPA Hospital is to educate the population, to disseminate our evidence-based care so that we can adopt, you know, changes and, and, and make changes that are sustainable and lifelong. Now, one thing is we've got this obesogenic environment making it very hard to manage our weight and to look after our health. Uh, we talked about the food environment and other factors, but there's also other factors at play. I mean, Today, social media platforms definitely contribute to that rapidly escalating problem. So it's another factor that we've got to consider. But remember, when we've got this this weight issue, what we're doing is reacting. We're buying into the dieting industry. So another part of the education needs to come down to stopping people from dieting. And this starts at a very young age. It starts before we're even teenagers. The minute you start dieting, you lose control of your weight because what you're doing is you're putting your body into starvation mode, it will respond to that by putting on the weight that you lost, but a little bit extra. Okay, so explain your approach of interval-based weight loss. So if we go back to, I guess, how we, we regulate our body weight, on a day-to-day basis, there's a very clever wiring system telling us when and when we shouldn't eat. Before the 1970s, before the explosion of this obesogenic environment, it was very good at keeping us in, in a healthy weight range. But then the environment exploded, the food's everywhere on every corner, our waistline start to go up. We react through dieting. When we diet, our body shuts down, our metabolism shuts down, our appetite hormones change, telling us to eat more. Consequently, we go back to our start point. So this is a cascade of physiological responses or biological changes taking place within the body to take you back to your start point. So interval weight loss is basically an evolutionary solution to this evolutionary pr- problem. Because every time you go and sign up to a weight loss program or a diet, it doesn't matter what age you are, your body's going to shut down. It's going to maybe lose 5, 10 kilos. Then it's going to say, hang on, enough's enough. It's going into that starvation mode. It's taking you back to your start point, And then you're putting on that little bit extra, the plus GST. Remember, that's going to increase your weight problem and it's contributing to the obesity prevalence. So what we've found is when we get people to lose weight in intervals every second month, you're actually switching off these biological protections that take place with dieting. So instead of getting the the decrease in metabolism, the change in substrate utilisation from fat to carbohydrates, the change in appetite hormones telling you to eat more, these are turned off so that you can lose weight and importantly keep it off. But the other part of the puzzle is that it's educating people on the pillars of health, what we should be putting into our body for good health. 
that seems to me to take a huge amount of willpower. How do you not gain all that weight back in the other month that you're not doing this interval weight loss? You're right. It's it's, it's probably one of the biggest challenges that we have with, with all of our community and patients that follow the program. So you're telling someone to lose a couple of kilos, which is quite easy. Most of us can lose half a kilo a week or two kilos over the course of a, of a month. But then we're saying to them, you've got to turn off the weight loss mode. You've got to take the foot off the accelerator and you've now got to maintain your weight from the month before. And it's not that they put on the weight. What they want to do is keep losing weight. And that's our biggest challenge, stopping them from continuing to lose weight. Because remember, traditionally, it's quite easy for us to to lose the weight. But what happens down the track three, six months later is it starts to come back. So it's actually saying, hey, every time you have a break, you're allowing your body to adjust to its new set point. And importantly, you're preventing those physiological responses from coming into play. So what we don't necessarily see is the weight regain during those weight maintenance months, but actually we see people trying to continue to lose weight rather than maintain it from the month before. So you're trying to stop the yo-yo from swinging as far? Exactly. Remember, we've got this evolutionary problem. The way we're currently dealing with weight loss at a macro level doesn't work. We're panicking, going too hard. Exactly. We want want the quick fix. We want to get ready for the wedding or the event coming up. (laughs) External stimuli, not internal. External stimuli, exactly. And again, the social media does play a large part with that and that's starting or cultivating at such a young age. Mm. And this is something I'm particularly passionate about as well because if we don't educate the new or the next generation, the obesity prevalence is going to get worse and worse and worse. That was Dr. Nick Fuller, who is a weight loss expert. He's written a number of books about interval weight loss, Mm. which I'd never heard of before. I found that so interesting. Mm, Stop the yo-yo. It was really interesting because that interview sort of, I guess, approached it on two levels, this bigger problem. On the individual level, you know, we heard those tips about um, rethinking dieting and how dangerous that can be, but also looking at our, our regular diet and how healthy it is. And then on the macro level, it's about the availability of these packaged and processed foods. And yeah. I think no one's going to save us from ourselves on that front. There's nothing really governments can do because, you know, the market supplies what people demand. So we have to change our tastes and stop buying these unhealthy products. And then hopefully they'll go away and stop tempting us into weight loss. Yeah, it's so hard, isn't it? Because they are so quick and convenient. It's it's definitely about retraining yourself to want an apple instead of a croissant, mm. which is really hard. <laughs> you look at the fruit bowl instead of the chocolate bar. Mm. Listener.